Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Today, we will be speaking to Sir John Royden, Head of Research at JM Finn. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast where we talk to people who matter about things that matter in the world of financial services. My name is Rebecca Tomes and I'm the junior editor at IFA Magazine and joining me on the podcast is my co-host and IFA Magazine editor, Sue Whitbread. Today, Sue and I are delighted to welcome a very special guest to the podcast, J.M. Finn's Sir John Royden. John is head of research at J.M. Finn, but today we're not talking investments. We're talking about his absolutely huge achievement swimming Lake Geneva in support of the Brain Tumor Charity and raising a huge amount of money for them. As you'll hear from today's conversation, John is an inspiration to all of us who think about different ways we can make a difference. So maybe this episode might make you think about how you can get out of your comfort zone and do something amazing. John, thanks so much for joining us today. It's really great to talk to you. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. And um, yeah, I'm all ready to go. Hi, John. It's Sue here. Huge, huge congratulations on completing your swim at the end of July. Um, my first question is, how are you feeling now? It's a, it's a week or so uh, after that. Uh, and I, I share with us, how did it go? And perhaps you can tell our listeners just what you've done and how much you've raised as well for the Brain Tumor Charity. Okay, thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty great. It's sort of uh, one, of, one of those nice on top of the world feelings. And um, in this sort of went, well, the second part of the swim went, went really well, all things considered. The best bit is when you get to the beach at the end of the lake and, you know, the sort of dark blue disappears and you can see the pebbly stones in front of you. And then there is this moment when you stop swimming and you think, okay, it's, it's, I'm in shallow enough water that I can actually put my feet down. Your feet touch the bottom and you know that you, you've got there. Eventually you've actually cracked the lake. Um, <clears throat> part of the elation comes from the fact that I am the ninth person to swim the entire 70 kilometer length of Lake Geneva. Uh, eight other people have done it before me. I actually had to do it in two stages, as you know. I swam 45 kilometers last year, and this year I did the final 28 kilometers. But to put it in perspective, you know, a, a channel swim is 33 kilometers. So wow. yeah, still sort of uh, knocking out swims, which are, well, last year greater than, and this year just five kilometers short of a channel swim. So um, I'm pleased with my performance, particularly as I'm sort of approaching 60. Um, <laughs> listeners can't see me, but, um, you know, there is in fact an elite athlete uh, lurking. Not many people would guess that. Um, yeah, and the other, the other great achievement is the absolutely astonishing amount of money that was raised for the Brain Tumor Charity. Now, when I swam the channel back in 1997, I think it was, I managed to raise about £98,000. So I thought, well, I'll sort of double it and let's hope we get between 180 and 200. And we've more than doubled that. I think we're going to end up with something like, something like £420,000, wow. um, which is, is quite as, astonishing. Um, and it's, it's perhaps you know, a sad reflection also of the number of people that have actually been touched 
by brain tumors or, or families have been touched by brain tumors. There's much more of it about than most people would realize. And I, I'm also going to say that, um, you know, about 65% of that, that money came from people that I had previously had no contact with at all. You know, I'm obviously sitting in financial services in the city of London, you know, my, you know, given my position here, I probably have a sort of greater than average access to sort of donations. But, um, you know, the fact came in from people I'd never met before was astonishing. Uh, and I have to sort of um, mention Sally Williams of the Brain Tumor Charity here, because she organized most of the social media posts and most of that, those donations were directly correlated to posts on Instagram, Facebook, you know, getting new, getting yeah. on TV, getting interviews on, on radio. You know, when I did an interview, you could see the Just Giving page ticking around like a taxi meter. Um, so it was, it was really very overwhelming. And, um, you know, if anyone else is thinking of doing this, you know, my top tip is get the social media bit right. And, and then, you know, it just... Mm. And I guess, like you said, sorry, the social media stuff really probably spurred you on and made you feel like you could do this. But um... Yes, absolutely. Um, there are lots of times when you're actually doing the swim, you know, that you actually think, God, this is awful and boring. <laughs> <You know, laughs> these are long swims. The first swim was 22 hours and the second swim was 11 hours. And the fact that people have, you know, don donated money means that you sort of feel a great moral obligation to actually carry on and finish the swim. So it does help enormously um, in terms of motivating you to go through the, the sort of nasty bits of the swim. <laughs> nasty bits when the weather gets rough and the waves get big. You know, swimming in a swimming pool is quite easy. It's pretty flat, but when you've got big waves rolling you around as well, you, you are using half of your energy to try and stay upright, not get rolled over by the waves. So, um, you know, and at night time, the 22 hour swim last year, I was swimming through the night. That can feel a bit lonely. You know, you're in complete yeah. darkness. Your soul contact with humanity is, is basically the sort of three portals of the boat. And you, you can feel a bit lonely. And, and again, then, you know, the, uh, the, the donations that the people have made do spur you on and they get you yeah. going through the darker bits. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of training did you actually have to do to carry this out? Because obviously it's a pretty impressive feat. <laughs> so um, for, the first thing to say is to say that I came from a standing start. I, you know, I swam a channel back in the 90s and I really didn't do very much exercise. I used to go on long walks, you know, I did a bit of mountaineering, but, um, you know, I was coming from a standing start. So the first thing I did was start getting lessons. There's a chap called Ray Gibbs uh, who does uh, lessons and he's based in Canary Wharf. He's got a fantastic setup. He's got one of his pools, you know, where the water just flows through it. And he's got about eight cameras beside you underwater, in front of you underwater, on top of you. So he films you sort of swimming in his, in his pool and then he can play it back so you can see what's going on. So he dramatically changed the way I swim. The, the actual cruel stroke technically has varied a lot. 
since uh, since the nineties. So I sort of had to learn to swim again. That's one one aspect. Lots of lunchtime swims or swims in the evening. Um, you know, half an hour at lunchtime or about forty five minutes, mostly sort of sprinting and focusing on technique. I mean, building up my stamina at weekends. Um, you know, this this sort of you can swim for about two hours in a swimming pool in winter. Um, but if you do more than that, you go bonkers because you're just endlessly turning around the whole time. Once the weather gets a bit nicer, and there are variable definitions of where a bit nicer actually sits. Um, last year, I started swimming on the first May bank holiday in Dover Harbour, which is when all the, the channel swimmers start training. So the water degrees is nine degrees Celsius. Oh, <laughs> Curls, and I can promise you after 45 minutes and in, in nine degrees, you know, you are shaking uncontrollably for about half an hour. And it, it takes, you know, six hours for your body to, to warm up. Uh, this started a little bit later. I started in June, but I think the sea temperature was about 15 degrees. That's much nicer. And I've got a, a lake in Gloucestershire close to where my mother lives, Lake 86, it's called. And they've got a really nice sort of pool or lake to swim in. It's got a sort of 800 meter circuit, which is a nice long sort of stretch. And um, yeah, so that's where all the endurance kicks in. Last year, I had spent quite a lot of money on physiotherapists and sports <laughs> massages. Every time you push the limit, you know, when you go from a four hour swim to a five hour swim and you, you build it up in increments, you know, I ended up back in the physiotherapy, um, you know, sort of clinic, oh. trying to mend. <laughs> Luckily, this year, the fitness from last year carried over. So um, I, I haven't had any sort of physio or sports massages this year at all. So that's that's a sort of training regime. And you just, you know, you start, well, this year, as I said, I got in the, the sea in June, and I just sort of built it up to sort of seven or eight hour swims, whereas last year I was doing 10 hour swims to really push myself. So that's that's a training regime. That's really interesting to hear how your body had remembered what you did last year, that your organs were stronger and your muscles were stronger. Oh, yeah. An inspiration to all of us, isn't it? To just get moving. Yeah. I mean, not in quite the same way that you did, John. I must <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I'm interested to, to hear your why about all of this. So what was it then that, that motivated you to attempt this, shall we call it superhuman feat in, in the first place? Yeah. So, um, yeah, when I finished the channel, I can remember then, you know, what I said before about my feet touching the sand and I kind of walked out onto the beach and, and I actually sort of realised I was, um, you know, I was not sort of done physically. And I definitely could have carried on swimming for a bit more. And the next way to sort of, well, for me, the next obvious way to progress my swimming career is to move to Lake Geneva. It's equivalent to two and a bit channel swims. So, you know, the channel's 33 kilometers, Lake Geneva is 70 kilometers. It's, it's really the next sort of big step up in terms of swimming. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to sort of, follow through and, and sort of push myself to the to the to the limit there. Um, I didn't I didn't do it in one go. Um, where, you know it took me two swims to actually sort of swim the whole length. Um, but um, 
I do, I do feel that that was slightly prejudiced by, well, last year was prejudiced by bad weather. I mean, it was raining a lot last year, the lake was cold, the weather was awful. We had to start at a bad time. Um, and, um, you know, there is a bit of me that thinks maybe I'll go and have a have another go at it, but I'll, I'll come off of my mm-hmm. <laughs> And also there's my sister Emma, who sadly died of a brain tumour back in 2003. So I've had lurking at the back of my mind that I've always wanted to do something in her memory. And this was really the the perfect opportunity. When I started looking into, you know, what's going on with brain tumours, what was sort of shocking in a way is that not very much has changed in the last 20 years. The treatments that she had are pretty much the same as the treatments people get today. And, And I was overwhelmed by a sensation that you know this had to change i looked around at different charities connected with brain tumors and from what i could see i thought the brain tumor charity was producing outstanding results you know really making very good progress so i can talk about some of the work they've done as well but i was really impressed with the brain tumor charity so i decided to go with them you are listening to ifa talk IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. Changing the subject a little bit now, what's it like being back at at JMVIN, back at the day job after you have completed this massive achievement? So, um, JMVIN is quite an exciting place at the moment. Well, the world of investments are quite an exciting place as everybody knows there's quite a lot going on you know tomorrow, <laughs> oh, that's an understatement John isn't it <laughs> um, you know so it's, it's it's certainly not sort of dull and boring and back to the humdrum of everyday life <laughs> uh it, it, it's it's possibly been the today's environment is possibly the most um exciting challenging uh sometimes exciting is a wrong word to use you know it's um Almost, you know, elements of danger sort of lurking in some of the uncertainties. You know, you've got Russia, you've got Taiwan, China, interest rates, inflation. You know, are the central banks going to sort of overdo the interest rate rises and their efforts to control inflation? Are consumers going to be strong enough to sort of hold the economy up and pay the higher prices that companies are setting so that companies can preserve their profit margins? There are lots of very big questions hanging around the place. So, um, you know, I feel as if I've come from one exciting environment back into another one. But also, you know, James Finn's a great place to work. Uh, we've got a great team. I think we do a fantastic job. And, you know, I really enjoy coming to work every day. I love it here. It's, uh, it's you know, it's sort of ticking all the boxes in terms of what one could hope for, uh, you know, as a, as a place to work and also, delivering great great services to our clients so I'm sort of up and ready to go really well I'm very glad to hear that you're enjoying being back at the day job again that's uh, that's very reassuring to hear um I'd be interested to whether thinking about listeners to the podcast today and if, if like me you know you quite often think about what you could and should be doing to, for the to, to really get out and make a difference I wonder whether you would encourage other 
financial services professionals to think about what they can do to challenge themselves. It might not be a swim of Lake Geneva, uh, but in the name so, of supporting good causes, perhaps like the, the Brain Tumor Charity. Yeah, so um, I think the first thing to do is if you're gonna take on a big challenge is you have to be in a very happy place domestically, work-wise. Mm. Oh, good, yeah. As these things take up huge amounts of time, <clears throat> they can seem quite a lot of money, and, you know, after a bit, you know, the family can start to feel that, that uh, you're being a bit selfish about it. So if you're going to do anything like this, you need to get everybody on board and committed and, and really sort of explain that, you know, you know, my partner is called Sarah. You know, I had to say to Sarah, you know, we're not going to see very much of each other for the next six months, you know, because my, my day routine is, you know, alarm at six, in the office at 7.15, you know, work through to sort of five o'clock, in the pool at 5.30, swim to 6.30, back home at 7.30. Then I've got to do, you know, personal emails, sort out a sort of washing machine that's broken or something. <laughs> and do quite a lot of work for the charity. You know, sending out all these emails is quite time consuming. And, you know, dealing with all responses is very time consuming. It all takes a lot of time. We got there in the end. I mean, it's kind of, you know, dinner at 8.30 and sort of bed at 9.30. And, and I just managed to say, you know, you know hello and good night, Sarah. So, um, yeah, well done, Sarah, and the JSN <laughs> team as well, by the sound of it. A complete team <laughs> approach. Both very, very supportive. And then at weekends, you know, um, it's... You know, if you're doing a 10-hour back-to-back swim, it alarm clocks off at 6 o'clock, in the sea at 8 o'clock, this is in Dover Harbour mostly, swim for 10 hours through to 6 o'clock, you know, in the bath at 7 o'clock, out of, the, out of the bath, quick dinner and go to bed because you get up on Sunday and do the whole same thing again. And, um, you know, Sarah was also exceptionally good because she came down to the beach at Dover Harbour and sat there and sort of fed me with um, basically sugary water. So this this summer was easy, the weather was nice, but last last year was pretty rubbish weather. And, you know, then it's a dark, cloudy, raining a bit. So, you know, you get the backing of your family, get the backing of your, your company. And, um, yeah, just, just make, make sure everyone's well briefed for the, you know, the challenge ahead. So, um, you know, it's not it's not all easy, but with a bit of planning and awareness, you know, you can all make it work. And if you, you know, if you find it's a charity that works for you and you can raise lots of money for them, you know, that's that's a great additional bonus there as well. And I think that's a really good point, mentioning that you need to make sure that you're really supported because obviously it's a, a really big you're really dedicating a huge portion of your life to this at the time so yes I guess that, that's really important to yeah. note big well done to you yeah that's that's probably why there's a sort of 25 year gap between the channel and <laughs> <laughs> so I know earlier you mentioned that you could potentially be tempted to maybe do the Lake Geneva swim again at some point um but do you have any plans for further challenges or are you thinking Bit of a breather now <laughs> what are the plans yes um i i do feel that i didn't really have a proper crack at the whole lake last year because first of all all the swimming pools were shut 
through to about March. So that meant that I was, you know, getting in swimming by putting on a wetsuit and getting in a farm pond and tying myself to a tree. Um, I couldn't have lessons because, you know, Ray Gibbs's pool was shut. So it was it was quite difficult sort of getting fit, um, swim fit, you know, with the swimming pools closed. Uh, quite often, you know, I'd go down to it, it was frozen and I had a sort of lift. If the air temperature or water temperature was sub-zero, then I wouldn't go in because you end up sort of getting frost nip, you know. It's, yeah. sort of, it's not quite frostbite, but it's the beginnings of it. So that was quite hard. I did quite a lot of bicycling when I couldn't go swimming. I went swimming on Hastings Beach, you know, again, in the middle of winter. It's it's shockingly cold. You see, breeze. I was on a wetsuit, but you still, you know, your face is exposed and it's quite, quite an unpleasant experience. Um, so uh, I do feel that you know I would like to have another go at nature and and give it a sort of good, a fairer swing of the bat. But again, I need to have a conversation with Sarah, and maybe we'll leave it for a year. Perhaps um, she deserves, <laughs> you know, deserves a sort of a, a beach holiday and sort of uncooked <laughs> or something. Over harbour again. I think that, I but, think that's probably a good tactical decision to make, John, to just yeah. give it a little bit of time, perhaps, and uh, yeah. swim so, in some warmer water abroad, maybe. <laughs> yes, um, and the logistics of, of sort of swimming somewhere abroad is is quite substantial. You've got to get yourself out there. You've got to get your kit out there. You've got all nice accommodation. Um, you know, flights. We had a huge amount of trouble with with flights and logistics last year you know just as we were about to set off to Geneva the Swiss shut their borders luckily France opened the opened their borders so we could get there eventually but um you know but there's a lot of organizational issues so maybe maybe um just a couple of swims in some of the the English lakes like up in the Lake District will keep me sort of ticking over and um, yeah, then maybe I'll have another go. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see how how the ball rolls. Ready? You're right. Sarah needs um, Sarah needs a bit of TLC in her sort of under an umbrella on a hot beach somewhere. <laughs> so, John, before we wrap up today, there's one question not to do with your swim, but that we ask all our podcast guests, and it's. relating to the field of financial services obviously and it is that if you had the power to to make one change in financial services what would that be? So at at JM Finn we are very focused on our bespoke investment management service and if I could do one thing it would be to make uh, you know the whole industry become a bit more personal and a bit less automated. I I you know, I see other companies getting much more orientated, centrally controlled. And if everything's centrally controlled, you know, the, the client's interests are really sort of put at arm's length a bit. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the bespokeness that, that people need to get a, a portfolio that sort of matches their aspirations, matches their risk tolerance, and, you know... <clears throat> Is is lost if it's all if it all goes into a centrally controlled controlled pot, and that's one of the things that Champion is really focused on. It's the bespoke management. It's the investment manager having a very good relationship with a client, understanding what they want, and 
I think the world would be a better place if a lot more people did that. Excellent. No, I, I agree with you in, in, entirely. Yeah, the drive towards standardisation, yes, it has advantages, particularly on cost, but there's an awful yeah. lot of sacrifice in that process, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been absolutely great to talk to you today. And I'm just, if any of our listeners would like to support the campaign, how can they do that? Okay, if you Google Just Giving John's Mad Swim to the Just Giving page, um, or if you go to Just Giving and search for John's Mad Swim, you will find it. And yeah, we're raising money for the Brain Tumor Charity. Fantastic charity. I mean, I can speak for another half an hour about all the good things done. Like I've seen the results. They, they are very results orientated. They do offer back of a very operationally efficient sort of revenue model. And it doesn't surprise me that in 2018, they won charity every year. You know, they've achieved a lot of, of you know, limited financial resources. They are operationally efficient and they are just so well worth supporting. And they are making a difference to people who've got brain tumours. And unfortunately, you will get brain tumours. Thank you so much, John, for sharing your story with us today. Um, I'm, I hope that you're super super proud of your achievement it's really quite awe-inspiring to listen to it I must say and particularly what what it will mean to those people who are unlucky enough to get that devastating diagnosis of a brain tumour and as you say there are far more of them than we realise and a lot of them are very young too so uh, all I can say is keep up the good work please and we'll put in the show notes the link to the Just Giving So if any of our listeners would like to support John's endeavours and just contribute to this incredibly worthy cause, then you can do so by following the link on the the IFA Magazine website page. Thank you very much, John. Thank you very much, everyone. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research and whatever necessary legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.